Welcome to Hidden Layers, where we explore the people and the tech behind artificial intelligence. I'm your host, Ron Green, and I'm excited to be joined today by Dr. Larry Gray to discuss computational thinking and its growing importance in this new age of AI. Dr. Larry Gray works as a director of engineering at Kung Fu AI and received his PhD from Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. He's deeply committed to open source and is a major contributor to the Yellow Brick Project. He's also a board member of NumFocus. He's renowned for his dedication to the Python language and ecosystem, and he extends his expertise beyond the industry by teaching and developing courses at Georgetown University, where he holds a position as an adjunct professor and program director for data analytics. Welcome, Larry. Thanks for having me. Okay, so you've got a new book coming out later this year on computational thinking. Let's kick off with a definition of computational thinking to kind of ground the rest of the conversation. Yeah, sure. So the way that I envision computational thinking, it is first ideal of problem solving, right? And the way that you approach problem solving. And the way that this is set up is that you try to look at your problem into like modular ways and to break things apart into manageable tasks. Um, and so if you're able to do this and keep going deeper and deeper and making things smaller and smaller, you get down to a problem that is a single problem that can be solved, right? And once you have that single problem, you can build back up into a more complex system. So this type of thinking is not generally taught to non-computer science uh, majors, right. um, but I think it's practical and useful for those outside of computer science. I, uh, I totally agree. Um, I actually had a really interesting experience my early in my undergrad years where um, I was in my first computer science course and I'd done a little bit of programming. And um, I got stuck on the very first assignment, and I remember going to the, um, the, uh, the grad student helping us. And in a very sort of Socratic method, he helped me break down the problem and decompose it into smaller subproblems. And I'll never forget, a light went off. And from that moment on, I really never struggled with decomposing problems again. It was, like, it was almost like he opened a door to a whole new world that I didn't know existed. And... Um, it was uh, really, I think, a foundational experience for me. I didn't know it was called computational thinking back then, but you know, that's uh, I think that's a bit of a new term. So, um, with the focus on Python in your career, you also believe pretty strongly that Python is a unique language, a unique high order language that's maybe perfectly suited for computational thinking. M maybe talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So. It all begins with the syntax of Python yeah. and along with readability. So whenever you see Python compared to languages such as C, Java, whatever, you can immediately pretty much figure out that things say, if you see print hello world in C, it looks weird. If you see print hello world in JavaScript, it looks weird. But if you see it in Python without having any knowledge, you say, well, <laughs> Probably it prints hello world. <laughs> right. And so the syntax becomes easier. And just some of the, also the conventions that are built into Python and the way things are spaced. Um, Python is a space-based language. So things are spread out and they look they easy to read, which is one of the things that's highly important is that you can actually go between uh, lines of code and read it 
in a, in a way that it, it's fluent and it, and it seems to logically get pieced together. So it really, fo the focus on this and why it's good for, for computational thinking is it allows you to easily understand the code that you're working on. And if you're able to do that and break it down to single statement, problem statements, uh, it's easier to build that back up into complex solutions. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more about Python being sort of an ideal language for people first getting in to either programming or thinking about computational thinking. Um, the the lack of uh, curly brackets and semicolons is, is just such a bonus. Um, well, you also have, Larry, a very unique personal journey, and you've been, you've been very um, uh, generous in sharing this. I know you've, you've given presentations at Strange Loop and other places about this. Um, can you talk a little bit about your academic journey and, and kind of how you, how you uh, arrived at this passion for computational thinking? Yeah, so my story really begins... Um, are, there's an impetus for everything that, that happened for me. Uh, and that impetus was the diagnosis of me being bipolar. What, in what year was that? How old were and you? And that was in 2013. Okay. So about 10 years ago. And prior to that, in order to understand my story fully, you have to understand what I was doing prior to this. I was... Uh, admitted to Hopkins. I was working on a world-class problem. In my heart of hearts, I felt that I was gonna get a Nobel Prize because I was discovering something that was pivotal for my field. I was going to be able to diagnose the genetic disorder and also treat it. And I was heading that direction. Um, uh, sadly, my grandmother passed away. And it was pretty rough for me. I went through a lot of grief because uh, for her, and me, I grew up extremely poor, and she lived close to me out in the country, and it was so different of a space for me than being in this small town. It was, there were fruit trees everywhere, there was always cake and cookies in the kitchen, there was just hard candy that only grandmas and grandpas <laughs> have around. For whatever uh, reason. And there was like vegetable gardens and watermelon and all this stuff going, and she was one of the kindest person I ever met. And her, the values that she loved by were kindness and gratitude. And that's what I love my life by now, by those principles. And so it was a big deal for me, but uh, that grief slowly changed into depression. And at first I thought it was something manageable that I can just naturopathically uh, go and work out. Like I can just exercise. I can just yeah, use, just sheer willpower. Yeah, sheer willpower. I can leave uh, lead a clean life, and that would get it. But there was, it just got worse and worse. Uh, and it, this is kind of contradictory. Here I am, a researcher. I was against taking medication, despite the fact that I was in a laboratory trying to discover treatments for other right. disorders. Uh, which is <laughs> kind of weird. Um, but I, one of the bravest moments of my life is that I decided I was going to take medication in order to treat this. Uh, my treatment uh, regimen ended up being, um, over the course of 10 years, I was on like 15 different medications. Mm. Uh, nothing seems to work. But during this period, I got my PhD, which was very hard. I was 
my cognitive ability had decreased so much that for my dissertation, I spoke my dissertation to my wife line by line, and it took me like three minutes in order to formulate a sentence. And, 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 that, and you had to dictate it because it was the only way you could, yeah, you I could, could get it out of your mind I at can that get point. It, get it out. Uh, yeah. And so I went on and I realized that I was struggling so much in a laboratory and that I wanted to move into something that was a little bit more energizing. And I decided to go into computational biology. I would do more computational work. And during that time, I got introduced to Python. And immediately, those problems that I was having with my cognitive ability start to alleviate. I couldn't do anything else. I, I, there was nothing in my life I wasn't, you know, I had trouble sleeping. Uh, I was, every element that comes with being in a depressive state was just so inhibiting uh, me but I could sit down and actually write Python code. And slowly, I started seeing these executive functions coming back. Like The more and more I studied it, the more and more I became to learn how to approach problems, it started working. And over the years, I started getting better. You know, This is also in conjunction with medication, but I really contribute my, what I like to say, Python saved my life. Uh, wholeheartedly like I truly believe that because mm -hmm. it let me rehabilitate my thinking right um, and so that was just a my point that I became like a huge advocate for for Python and for learning how to think differently and how to approach problems differently and use a language to do that so in my book I really emphasize that this isn't just for technical people. This is for everyday people. It could be for a social worker that you can change the way that you think about how you solve problems because in the future, we're gonna really be problem solvers. That, mm -hmm. That's the jobs that we're gonna hold. And so how you approach uh, thinking about problems is gonna be important and Python could be that tool in order to help you uh, achieve success. So it sounds like Python enable it was almost like a ladder to get out of the hole you were in it gave you it gave you the the power to get out of that by do you think it was through the simplifying and forcing you to break things down um, into sort of bite-sized components in the way that you're talking about computational thinking yeah single thoughts like I could focus on a single thought okay and and that enabled me my brain could wrap around that right and then immediately I would build upon that. And, like, and uh, this was, the way that I thought before, which I still do, is I, what may be a great researcher, I can go in, see a problem, and almost immediately come to some hypothesis about what the problem was. I, I, missing piece, I didn't need to know all the pieces, but I could actually come up with a solution. And, but that was never, uh, it wasn't like computational thinking. It was just it was, it was almost instinct or instinct, or instinct intuition. Insights. Yeah, and I lost that ability to do that, right? And so I had to rebuild a certain way to actually be very logical in the way that I approach problems. I still loved. I slowly regained that ability to sit, to look at whole problems and come to some um, solution or hypothesis about how to test the. Uh, 
uh, test that. But um, Python definitely is, is a savior. Have you, have you run across anybody else? I know you teach a lot um, in person and online. Do you have you run across anybody else who's had a bit of a similar experience like that? Well, I've come across one person that said that uh, they were dealing with depressive issues and that what's really helping them get through everything is, is Python. And so there is some, some people out there, and I know there's probably more uh, that have been exposed to that. So okay. um, I don't have any other like uh, evidence of this, but there's, um, I think the, the way that what they've learned about Python in the areas of the brain of just programming what it affects is within these regions of right. executive function and right. things like that. So it makes sense that if these areas of the brain are being stimulated by Python and learning how to think in this way, uh, that uh, and these are the regions that programming is actually affecting, it makes perfect sense that Python could actually activate those uh, neural pathways. Right, right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the intersection of computational thinking and, and AI in the, in the coming field. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what, you know, you, a minute ago you said you think computational thinking, problem solving is going to be core to the sort of AI-driven world we're going into. So let's talk a little bit about that. Why do you think it's important for people, even in non-technical fields, to start embracing uh, computational thinking? Yeah, so... I'm really excited about AI. Um, given there are going to be some issues and disparities that are uh, are come about from its adoption, uh, I think humans are going to have an amazing life, and that's because they will augment us and allow us to be problem solvers. Right. So totally you can agree. imagine the social worker that spends a lot of our time doing casework, right? Um, instead of actually doing social justice that she's meant to do and solve problems for people, right? right? You can right. have AI do the, the casework for you, right? right. Uh, I think it's gonna allow us to do more human intelligence and more creativity. It's gonna free us up to be do things that are really human. Um, Completely agree. Uh, and so we have emotional like the use for emotional intelligence is going to increase the use for being able to socialize with people and do very social uh, interactions are going to increase and these are the things that not readily and easily uh, duplicated uh, by AI and so those skills are going to have to come to the forefront and it's going to be great because I think people uh, as a people we want more challenging more complex issues to solve Right. And so right. those other things that are taken away, because as we know that AI will probably reduce 80% of process-oriented jobs. Right. Uh, so we're, we're left with higher-order thinking jobs. And I think that we can use tools okay. like Python to prepare people uh, to do those types of higher-order thinking jobs, or at least learn that approach. Right. Um, I completely agree. I um, and, and I share your optimism. I mean, I think that there are going to be, you know, there are going to be a lot of people who um, have their jobs disrupted, and there will probably be jobs that are completely eliminated. But 
AI is also going to enable, I think, entirely new categories of capabilities that, that you know, some, some you can kind of imagine, some I think we, uh, we have no idea because it's such a powerful tool and it's just, we're, we're at really a day one in that exploration. I, I think this is going to be, a, uh, we're in a great place. I, I think us at Kung Fu are in a great and unique position uh, that we get to envision how the world is going to be and we can provide solutions for that new world. Right. 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 Um, before it happens, like, what is this world going to look like to now? And now we can provide those types of solutions. And this is being able to do that is those that are able to envision what the future will look like right. are those that are going to be successful and being able to make a big difference. What about what about um, what about minority groups? Like what about people who are maybe less less fortunate and, and maybe already marginalized? Yeah. I mean, there's a real danger there, right? About AI potentially um, increasing the discrepancy and the disparity there. Uh, have you thought about that much? Yeah, I've thought a lot about it lately, <laughs> and it, it made me really really sad. I think. Um, being coming from a very educated background, I tend to forget that everyone is not educated, right? right? It just becomes because I'm around PhDs all the time, and right. and so you tend to not believe that. And for those jobs that are going to go away, are highly uh, uh, occupied by like blacks, like those jobs that are moving away. And these are jobs that are meant to catapult them into higher paying uh, jobs. But if they're eliminated, there's no path in order to get to these higher paying positions. And what they predict in the study by McKinsey is that there's going to be like a $45 billion uh, uh, wealth gap that's going to emerge over the next 10 years uh, along racial lines from black and white, mm. the difference. And it's going to be devastating. And so... Uh, solutions for that is me thinking we, we need to get Python in the hands of, of people now, uh, of kids, of people to think differently because I was trained as a scientist. I was trained on scientific thinking, right? And I do that naturally, but not everyone has that exposure. Right. right. And so if we can get people to think differently and think about the world in a different way of how they solve their everyday problems, and this isn't just a pl they could actually maybe get a leg up on the types of jobs that are going to be coming down the pipeline. Right. Uh, and this is going to be a, 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 so my role now is to be uh, more, uh, making people more aware of, of this because I wasn't aware, right? Um, there's an awareness that needs to go along with blacks in technology. So of uh, executives in technology right now, about only 3% are, are black. Right, right. So there's a huge difference. And so one of the solutions is to get more blacks into positions in technology Absolutely. and things like that. Um, and so just not being aware and how privileged I am, like I look around, it's like, man, I'm an AI and I'm black <laughs> and I'm in a leadership position. Like I'm probably less than a half percent of, of all people out there. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of drives me to be, um, uh, to have some sort of conviction that this 
there should be more awareness around this topic. Well, and you, I mean, you've done an enormous amount of uh, mentoring and teaching and giving back to the community, open source. Um, I mentioned earlier, you have an entire introductory course on Python. We'll put a link, we'll put a link in the show notes for that. Um, are you seeing, are you seeing more people um, from different backgrounds increasingly come into the, your circle uh, teaching Python, or has it remained relatively steady state over the years as far as the background of people you're seeing coming in? So the background that I'm seeing, I'm seeing like at Georgetown, I see a lot of minorities that are coming in, especially in the data science space. Um, uh, one of the issues is that, uh, and this is the case, they come in uh, less prepared uh, than most students. Uh, and so that's a challenge that we have to face whenever we're hiring interns, we're hiring people, is that someone might come in with a little less skills uh, than others, but it's definitely an increase in the number of minorities that are trying to enter this. I see this, I'm mentoring like four people right now, and they're all uh, African-American males that just seek me out and say, you know, I really need some some direction and um, uh, so there's a, a demand and there's a I the reality of it that I tell them is it's going to be a struggle uh, I know when I first tried to get my first job it took me nine months to to get someone to believe in me mm. right and uh, and to try to convey that to them that it's going to be a, a struggle um, but as much as I, I never, I really don't think about race a lot, but others actually see me and think this is someone that I can kind of go to and knows what I'm, I might be struggling with or whatever. Yeah, what so they may have been going through. Might be going through. So I've opened myself to, to that experience. That, that is just fantastic. The, um, I think it's incumbent upon all of us, you know, getting that, getting that first job in the tech business or whatever whatever career you're trying to switch into getting that first role is so difficult and it's i think it's critical for people like us to pay it back you know and help people enter this and in fact um you and i see this all the time larry where there are people who are trying to break into the ai world right Pick, break into data science or ai or machine learning and it's just such a steep learning curve they don't know where to start um and I think, you know, your course on Python is the perfect entry because with that, you'll learn the dominant language that's within, used within our field, and you'll learn the, the basics of computational thinking, which I think are critical. Um, okay, well, I'd love to uh, end today's episode with asking you just kind of our, our standard um, wrap-up question, which is, on a personal level, if you could have AI automate something for you, make your life better day-to-day, -day, what would you pick? A snowblower. <laughs> without question uh something that i can just even if it was remote control yeah. and it i don't care like that's the vein of my vein of my existence is having to shovel snow i love it uh, and so getting something out there that truly truly like a roomba for for my driveway <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, that's, that's probably uh, in the near term. I, I think that's totally achievable. Well, Larry, thank you so much for coming on. This was a total blast, and I really appreciate you taking the time. I really enjoyed being here. Thank you.